about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. a short message i want to continue this sunday on what i started last sunday on christmas creed or greed number two christmas creed or greed and let's go back into our scripture in the book of luke chapter 2 and verse 8 to 15 luke chapter 2 and verse 8 to 15 it says now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, as they were saying this, the Bible says, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory be, glory to God in the highest and in the earth. Peace goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Amen. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, I declare this morning that lives will be shaped, dreams will be fulfilled, and success will be guaranteed because we are bringing alive the Christmas story. We, are, we want to be people who will testify of the reason for the season. And so God, let the hearts of people be subtle enough to be able to receive your word. To you we give glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone says, Amen. In the New Century Version of Luke chapter 2, 10 to 11, it says, The angel says, Do not be afraid. I bring you the most joyful news ever announced. And, this is where I want you to zoom in today, and it is for everyone. Today your Savior was born. He is Christ the Lord. Give glory to God in the heaven. And anyone that's not giving glory to God today doesn't realize what Christmas stands for. He says, and on earth let there be Peace among the people who please God. As I said, and it's continued, and it's successful if you look over the last few days or few weeks, everyone is running all over to buy their Christmas shopping. Everyone is trying to get their Christmas presents. Everyone is trying to make Christmas the best they can, especially during this 2020 pandemic year that there's been so much death and so many people have been unhappy, so many people have been isolated. 
But even in the midst of all this that we've been doing over the last few weeks, the government came together, they fought a voracious fight. Everyone, they came together because they wanted to make Christmas be the Christmas they have in their minds. And so there's been a worldwide fight against the coronavirus to make sure that people don't miss out of Christmas, the Christmas festivity. However, as I said last week, it's made me wonder, is this fight for the creed of Christmas or for the greed of Christmas? Did we actually open the shops because we merchandise Christmas? Or is the fight actually for Jesus who is actually the creed, the reason for the season? Because many of us also, including me, we can be caught up in the greed of Christmas. And the greed excludes Christ from Christmas. They said it's a nationwide holiday. But is it a nationwide holiday of festivity and eating and drinking? Or is it a creed which is derived from the Latin word credo, which means this is what I believe. So God is glorified and having said that, I praise God that people fought so hard for us to have the kind of Christmas we have with family and friends. Meaning that no matter how much they try to turn the gospel, the gospel still comes out. Paul says that people preach the gospel for their own gain or they preach it because of Christ's sake, but the gospel is being preached. I think for the first time the reality of what Christmas means and the power behind Christmas has seen in so much uh, effort that has been done to make the Christmas what we want it to be. But as Christians, we've got to be able to speak about the creed of Christmas than the greed of Christmas. Christmas is the time where everyone is doing sales and people are running all over the place to be able to get bargains and at the same time people lose out on the creed, the reality of Christmas. So over this period of time, if I can, I have been trying to speak on two or three things about what the creed of Christmas, what should we believe in, what should guide us. And last week I spoke about the light of Christmas. The, one of the creeds of Christmas is the light of Christmas. The main purpose of Christmas is Jesus who dispels my darkness. The Bible says that you are my, you Lord are my light, you dispel my darkness. In 1 Samuel 22-29, in John chapter 1 verse 4 he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. The light of Jesus started to shine during this coronavirus period. It shined in darkness so much that people fought for Christmas. He says, and the darkness, no matter what this country wants to turn into, that the light of Jesus still shone and darkness could not comprehend it. So you've got to believe that the crown of the queen is the light of Christmas. The light of Christmas means that the light brings about a turning. Second thing is light means guiding. And third thing is light means possibility. The second thing I want you to know about the creed, what we believe Christmas stands for. Creed, credo, means I believe. It's a set of belief. It's a set of how we follow something, what we believe in. And the next second thing I want you to believe in and I want you to guide yourself by 
I want you to, 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 to be able to live it is that the light of Christmas is the meaning of Christmas. But the second thing is the love. The second L is the love of Christmas. Pastor, what do you mean by the love of Christmas? Let me explain this to you. John chapter 3 and verse 16. The message Bible says, This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. And anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Hold that, hold that for a second. This is how much, this is how much God loved the world that he gave his son. The whole essence of Christmas is God's love is shown in emptying himself of his glory to come down into this world to save mankind. That's the essence of Christmas. This, that means that the love of God allows me to be a partaker of God. Somebody, you've got to follow this. I can really say, listen to me carefully, I can really say quickly that the message of Christmas is that you matter to God. You really do. You, you matter to God so much that he sent Jesus Christ to the earth to let you and I know that you matter to him. That's the entire message of Christmas. The entire message of Christmas is that Jesus loves you and God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son. So Christmas is not only about buying goods. Christmas is not only about receiving presents. Christmas is saying to us that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus down to the earth. And I want you to know this because it does not matter in the next five days what gift you get or what gift you don't get. Actually, many people have turned Christmas into an exchange of gifts. And, and, and I've thought about this for so long. And you remember I've preached this so many times. That don't go into debt because you need to, up, you need to give someone a gift because of what you are to them. You're obliged. That's the word I was looking for. You're obliged to give a gift. And then many people are so upset and feel that their entire Christmas, like a little child, is made or broken by the kind of present you receive. And there are two categories here. Christmas doesn't, mean, doesn't talk about the value of or the quality of the gift you get. Because many people right now due to this pandemic. May be in isolation and may not receive anything. And they're thinking nobody loves me. And they base their entire life. And entire enjoyment of Christmas. Based on the giving of gifts. Now I want to show you a video. Because it blessed me. I've been saying this for years. But when Martin Lewis shared this. I saw this. Two, I saw this three weeks ago, but then I went on to the YouTube to pick it up. And I want you to listen to this, because if you don't listen to your pastor, at least you will listen to somebody who sat down with people to explain what Christmas is. Let's go to the video. It will bless Christmas you. has become a retail festival, and it shouldn't be. 
Christmas should be joyous, but causes some people unhappiness, debt, and worry. Now, many people feel obliged to buy gifts to others that they know they won't use, with money they don't have, and cause themselves stress they don't need. And I think part of the reason for this is that we have disconnected from why we give gifts. Now, gift-giving originally, anthropologically, was actually a form of social banking. Uh, Take a wedding. You'd go to a wedding, and older people, richer people in the community, would give gifts to younger people to help them start out, and as those people age, they'd then pass it back to the new younger people. You can see how it works. Listen. But with Christmas, it's a zero-sum game. I give to you, you feel obligated to give back to me at a similar value. Now, to fulfil that obligation, we do tit-for-tat giving, which means people end up with tat. (laughs) Now, some people say to me, hold on, what about the gift of giving? But I have to be honest and say that can actually be selfish. And here's why. It can misprioritise people's finances and create a financial burden. So let me, I've got here. If I give a gift to you, there you go, what do you feel you need to do? (laughs) I'll take your scarf, thank you. There we go. Lovely, you give it back to me. Now, let's say I spent 20 quid on that, and I'm affluent and I thought I was being generous to you. I've effectively forced you to spend 20 quid on that scarf, and you might have chosen that your children need more new shoes instead. So I've misprioritised your finances by giving you a gift. So what I think, it is time for us to get off this gift-giving treadmill. I think sometimes the best gift is releasing others from the obligation of having to give to you. Let's work together to ban unnecessary Christmas presents. Not... (laughs) Not for your spouse, not for smiling children under the tree, but that ever-expanding list of friends and cousins and teachers that we feel forced to buy. Do right now, if you're watching, use me as your excuse. Agree to make a prenup, a pre-Christmas no unnecessary present pack. (laughs) Or at least do a secret Santa and cap it at a fiver or tenner. Or even better, say, you know what, I'm not going to give that extended lift gifts. I'm going to give to charity instead. Less pressure. Excellent. Can you see? Can you see? Listen. Been saying this for years, man. Less pressure, less cost, less debt, and I hope more joy. And the reaction here shows you might feel embarrassed to raise it, but most people feel the same way. I, I, I hope you. I hope you listen to that, because he said that we should absorb ourselves from the pressure of Christmas. Families have so much list that they need to buy. I've got nephews, I've got cousins, I've got the whole world. And sometimes they yes, I can't afford this. I really cannot afford this. And we miss the essence of what Christmas is and we get into the greed of Christmas, missing the creed that of Christmas that says I am your light I am your love and we fall into the mistake that Christmas depends upon how much I have to give or how much I actually receive but in the midst of the entire story 
of the miraculous birth of Christmas, and Oric alluded to this in prayer, we find an ordinary man called Joseph as we found an ordinary man called Gideon. Just ordinary man. Nothing to him. He wasn't a captain. He wasn't a leader. None of them were leaders. And, and many times, we kind of attribute to them almost superhuman powers. But folks, that's not the case. There were people like you and me. See my passion this morning. They had problems. They had fears. They had doubts. They had worries. Just like you and me. They probably was in their own pandemic. We don't know what was happening at that particular time. But I'm sure that Joseph had his own issues and things. He didn't realize at any point in time that heaven has spoken on his behalf before he came into earth. He didn't realize that God has called him to be a, a, a husband to Mary. And that he will have to go through trying to prove to people that I own the pregnancy, but the Holy Spirit has actually impregnated him. He had to go through the problem of trying to explain why is it me that God has chosen? Why do I have to be the father of Jesus Christ? Maybe called the stepfather of Jesus Christ. But, 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 but they had problems like all of us yet. God was still able to use them. Actually, that's the major theme of the Bible, that God loves us so much that as he was praying this morning, he will still use you. God loves you so much that he would do extraordinary things with ordinary people. It's not about the gifts. And many people think I'm not extraordinary because I can't give gifts. He is the God that loves you. He loves you, listen to me, regardless of your mistakes. He loves you regardless of your hiccups. He loves you. God loves you. Look, in the, in the book of Matthew, listen to me carefully. I hope this bless you. In the book of Matthew, there was the inclusion of five people, five women in the genealogy of Jesus. We have Tamar, we have Rahab, we have Ruth, we have Bathsheba, and we have Mary. And none of them, and if you check all of them, they have colorful characters. You want to talk about Tamar, who slept with her father-in-law. You want to talk about Rahab, who was a prostitute. You want to talk about Ruth, who was a Moabite. You want to talk about Bathsheba that slept with David and gave birth to Solomon. You want to talk about Mary who was a young girl who didn't understand what was going on. All of the above women had questionable ethical and moral characters. Bar maybe Mary. There is in other words no pattern of righteousness in the leaning of Jesus. Adulterers was in his lineage. Prostitutes were in his lineage. Heroes were in his lineage. Gentiles were also found in his lineage, in his genealogy. And most people, listen what, you, what is going to happen to you during Christmas, if you're not careful, they tend to hide the black sheep in their family and put them away. Many people will not even invite you because they feel you're the black sheep of the family. Or you won't even invite people who you feel are the black sheep of the family because we want to get them and we want to leave them in obscurity. But in Matthew, listen to me, the four models, the four matriarchs of the Jewish history were Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, 
and Leah. They were the four matriarchs. They were the four major models of the Old Testament. They were the lives respectively of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were their wives. These four women were conspicuous by their absence in the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew. You didn't see them there. Their husbands are all there. And so, it could have been an opportunity for Matthew to include the good wives. But he didn't include the good wives. But Matthew gives the church four new matriarchs. So, instead of seeing Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel and Leah, he introduced four new matriarchs. And the four new matriarchs, we see Tamar, we see Rahab, we see Ruth, we see Bathsheba. We see four different matriarchs that had nothing to do with their character. All of them preached the gospel of one single thing, the mercy and the love of God. This morning, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Watch me, watch me, watch me carefully. Look at me if you're at home. Watch me. I'm trying to help somebody not to be ashamed of their background. Christmas says Jesus loves you. Don't be ashamed of your background. Because it is everything that you have been through that qualifies you for what God is making you to be. Look, look, look at me. Don't be ashamed of your background. We make mistakes. But when we look about what is the creed of Christmas, the creed of Christmas is Jesus, genealogy, introducing Rahab, introducing Bathsheba, introducing Tamar, introducing Ruth, and graciously excluding Leah and Sarah and those who everyone would say, wow, they lived a good wife, they lived a righteous life. God showing us that if he's going to come into mankind, he will come through places where people don't expect the extraordinary in the ordinary. The babe in a manger. Emmanuel. God not for a selected few, but for all of us. That is what you should hold as you go into this week. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus has come to restore dignity Jesus has come to restore equality. So when we're talking about the first place of equality in the Bible, we're talking about Jesus saying a Moabite has the same access to the Abrahamic covenant as an Israelite. Blacks and whites are the same. The paint job doesn't make a difference. It's the blood that counts, not our paint job. No matter where you come from, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Christmas, Christmas teaches us about equality, not racism. It teaches us that even God has the power to restore back your dignity. Where you came from has no bearing on where God is taking you to. For God to promote you, he does not need your passport. In the book of Micah chapter 5, and verse 2, the New International Version. He says, but you, listen to me. You, this was said in prayer this morning. We are on the same theme. God loves you to fulfill his destiny in your life. He says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, 
Though you are small among the clans of Judah, Katayando Boboka, he says, out of you will come for me, not for anyone, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origin are from old, from ancient times. God is saying, Bethlehem, that they said nothing good can come out. It is out of you. I want to use the least to be able to bring the most out. I love you so much that you should never be discouraged this Christmas. You should never sit down in your house and put your duvet over your head and say I'm depressed. If you're depressed, it's because you are going through the greed of Christmas than the creed of Christmas. I believe that Jesus loves me. It's not based on where I'm coming from. Absolutely not based on where I am, but based on what he wants to do through me. His love... Listen to me. Listen to me. This will bless you. His love is based on the election of grace, not the election of works. God's love is based on the election of grace. It is not by the election of works. God's grace, God's love for you is based on election, not based on selection of man. When he wanted to use another king, he took David from the backside of the desert and set him in front. When God wanted to use someone to deliver Israel, he took a man called Gideon from the backside and set him in the place of greatness. The sovereign God, listen to me, let me bless you this morning. Listen, 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 listen. You've got to listen to this because if you miss this, you will miss everything. The sovereign God, listen, listen, listen. The sovereign God, the sovereign God, you've got to understand this. The sovereign God is in complete control of history. God is incomplete yeah, and he's assuring you of his purposes and he will fulfill his promise. The sovereign God is in control of your life. He loves you. The creed of Christmas says, I love you. It's the love of Christmas. It's the love. Everybody experiences rejection in life. Look at me. Everybody does. Everybody experiences rejection in life. And we spend our lives trying to avoid it or trying to be accepted by others. And that's why we're going to death during Christmas. To be able to allow people to accept us by the giving of gifts. But you need to understand that. That is not the giving of gifts even somebody else has said it to us this morning. It is the giving of life and peace that comes into you. Because maybe you can't afford to give someone 20 pounds this year. But next year. By this election of grace, you can actually buy them a car. But you will never be able to go beyond where you are this year if you are stuck in you seeing yourself as a failure and going by the greed than the creed. Don't make yourself good by going into retail therapy. Don't go start looking at deals all over the internet and start accumulating shoes and bags and clothes and stuff just to make yourself good. That's not the love of Christ. The love of Christ says you can be wearing one shoe and someone can pick you out amongst multitude because the anointing would dignify you. Let me close by saying this and I hope it will bless you. Let me talk to you about the ABC of the love of Christmas. Just the ABC. If you don't listen to anything today, just listen to this. The ABC of the love of Christmas. What are the creed of Christmas? I spoke about the light, but today I'm speaking about the love. The ABC. A means allow God to love you. Allow. Allow. 
allow him to love you this Christmas. Many people shut God out because they have refused to allow God to love them based on their past experience. If it was based on their past experience, Gideon would not be a deliverer. If it was based on their past experience, uh, David would not be a hero because he would still be thinking that I'm not good enough. That's why they left me in the backside of the desert. Do you know that David sitting in the backside of the desert was a sign of rejection? They rejected that boy. Pastor, what do you mean? Everybody else was in the house when Samuel came. Why is it that David was in the backside of the desert? Pastor, what do you mean? They asked, are these all your sons? He says, oh, you know what? There's one in the desert. He said, present all your sons. They didn't present David. David was, was, was rudy. The Bible says was rudy. Small. He, he couldn't be king. He wasn't even that tall. His father didn't bring him out. But David was in the backside of the desert. I'm excited. Allowing God to love him. Allowing God to teach him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He wasn't dependent on his father's gifts. He wasn't dependent on his brother's love. He wasn't dependent that they rejected me and left me to go with the sheep. He was dependent on the love of Christ. He allowed God to love him. And when God saw that this boy loves me as I love him, he set him on a pedestal of greatness. Don't let your past experience erode the goodness. Don't let this coronavirus situation, this year, you losing your job, you being rejected. They kept other people on. They followed you and then they let you, made you redundant. Don't worry. Jesus still loves you. Jesus loves you that much that he will send help to you. Jesus loves you that much that regardless of those who thought that should, you thought that they should have helped you, God says, those are not the people I'm looking for. I'm going to erase people too. I'm going to send three wise men to you that will provide for you. That when Herod starts looking for you, you will have enough money to go on a first class ticket out of danger. Number two, believe. Believe that God loves you. You cannot not only allow God to love you, you've got to believe it. Because you can allow him to love you, but you may not believe it. Because one of the greatest mistakes that we make is that we measure God's love by our present circumstance. So we don't believe he loves us because we're going through stuff. We reason that if things are going bad, it must be because God really hates us. God doesn't really hate you. God doesn't really hate you. Because things were going so bad for Joseph, but it's because God loved him. He was going so bad. He had a woman who was pregnant. He had nothing to do with it. He had to defend why the woman was pregnant? He had to be ostracized. He had to be ostracized. He had to be ostracized defending Mary because he wanted to cover his shape. He wanted to say to people, I have nothing to do with this. And God said, no, take that Mary as your wife. Take her. Take her with the disgrace. Take her with the body because the child that is in her comes from me. He defended Mary at the extent of him being ostracized. So they were going through a bad time. She was pregnant on the donkey. They, Kabadosha, I hope somebody will feel this. They rejected them in every form or fashion. Rejected from family, rejected from country, and even rejected from the inn. And they had to go to a manger. But they still believed that God loved them. Allow God to love you. Believe that God loves you. And last one, conquer now with God's love. Conquer. You can conquer with God's love. This is the creed of Christmas. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. Yet 
Did you see that? Joseph, did you see that? Mary, did you see that? Talikwe, did you see that? Mamikwe, did you see that? Really, did you see that? Did you see that? Everyone else watching me, did you see that? That yet, in all these things we've been through this year, we are more than a conqueror. And gain an overwhelming victory through him who what? Loved us so much that he died for us. I'm excited. You can see my excitement on this message. Yet in all these things. Yet in this redundancy. Yet in this financial difficulty. Yet in all these things. We are more than a conqueror. Not because we are saying it. But we gain overwhelming victory through him who loved us. The love of Christmas says Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us so much that he's saying to us this morning, allow me to love you. Believe that I love you and conquer with my love. God's kind of love says to us, we surrender the rights even to retaliate in whatever is coming against us. Love conquers, love conquers hatred. Love conquers unforgiveness. You can get into that family gathering and love them regardless of what is going on. And that's why the Bible says in the Romans, the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 21, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want you to go out today and be a good ambassador of Christ. Yes, if you can afford it. He buy gifts for your enemies. He actually did say it. He said, wow. He says, if you are, are going to buy a gift, if you're going to buy a gift for anyone, maybe buy it for a charity. Show love to a charity. Show love to some people who really need it. Show love to those who may not be able to give back to you. In fact, show love to people who don't even like you. Show love. But maybe you're a father and you're not in connection with your children. Connect with them during this Christmas. Show the love of Christmas, not the greed of Christmas. And show love expecting nothing from them. Maybe you're a mother, you're ostracized from your children. Find them, love them. Brothers, sisters, church, let's come together. In fact, maybe somebody in church should call somebody they've never called before and says, I want to send some money into your account just to be a blessing. You overcome evil by good, by the love of Christ. Christ died for us even though we rejected him. I'm talking to someone this day who needs to say to themselves, Christmas is not about how much money I can... I have. Christmas is not about how much money is in my account. Christmas is not about the shoe I'm wearing or the clothes I can wear during Christmas. Anyway, most of us are in onesies. Christmas is not about the chicken you can eat. How much chicken can you really eat? How much food can you eat? Have you really understood how much wasted goes on during Christmas? If by the time the food is already on the table, I'm, I'm so hungry that I'm now full. How much? Christmas it's not about how do you spread the table. Christmas may be by yourself. It's just only by the love of Christ. It's the love of Christmas. That's the creed of Christmas. But the greed of Christmas is that sense of hopelessness. That sense of rejection. That sense of, 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 of unfulfillment. That sense that Jesus doesn't love you based on what is happening to you. That's greed. Creed is belief that in all these things I am more than a conqueror. Creed says to me that God loves me regardless of where I am. Creed says to me that my light will shine in darkness. Creed says to me there's a turning around. Creed says to me that God loves me more 
to leave me where I am. And when you can sit on the creed, the credo, the belief of Christmas, you will start to preach to those who are around you that Christmas is not about the merchandise of the season, but Christmas is Christ, the reason for the season. Amen. I hope you had a wonderful time. I want you to bow your heads and I want us to pray. And I want somebody who is going through stuff right now to say to themselves, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, I know. Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, I know. For the Bible tells me so. Emmanuel, as he was sung, God is with me. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. You, you, you're thinking, I, I haven't bought enough. Stop buying. Relax. And just know that if men reject you from the inn, there's a manger for you that all men will come and bow before. They rejected them from the inn. That's why nobody, no pilgrimage is going to any of those inns. The pilgrimage in Bethlehem is always going to that manger. They may reject you from the inn, but they will come and bow to your manger. Say to God, God, I submit myself to you. Now I understand Christmas. I love you for what you're doing in my life. And if there's anyone online who hasn't given their life to Jesus, Christmas is a great period to say, I, I, I get it, Pastor. I get this man. Why don't you give your life to Jesus? Why don't you say, Jesus, I want you in my manger. Come into my life. I want to receive the love of Christ. I want to receive the love of Christ, which gives me a purpose, which gives me a new lease of life. Father, I thank you. Now, if you're giving your life for the first time, why don't you say this prayer to me? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my manger. I want to receive the love of this season, not the rejection of this season. Today, I make a decision to follow the star, the star, which is Jesus Christ. Take me to my purpose. Take me to my destiny. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. If you need counseling, if you need help, especially during this festive season, please do not hesitate to call the number that you will see that will appear on the screen. I'm telling you, once you call that number, somebody will be at the other end of the line to be there for you. And if you don't receive anybody, just leave a message. Please leave a message. Leave your number. And I promise you we will get back to you. We're not shut down. We're not shut down. We will still be there to help you. And God bless you as you do that. And someone says, Amen. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel Worship Tabernacle 131 St. John's Way N19 3RQ Archway, London Thank you for listening.